Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. All right, welcome back, SI Boxing Podcast. A lot going on this week. As usual, you've got a big announcement. Floyd Mayweather making his return for an exhibition fight against Logan Paul. I want to get into that. Over in the UK is the Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight falling apart. Plus, DAZONE, Sky Sports, what's happening there in British boxing broadcasting? For that, I bring in Gareth A. Davies, terrific British boxing journalist. We go through all the big storylines of the week. A little bit later on, Katie Taylor, the undisputed women's 135-pound champion. I talked to Katie about her fight, a grudge match this weekend against Natasha Jonas. And also, what is the big legacy fight out there for Katie Taylor. Great conversation with one of the best women's boxers in the business. As always, best way to support this podcast, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? Oh, all the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, a lot going on in the boxing world, a lot going on in the British boxing world. No better time to bring back my good friend, Gareth A. Davies, does a terrific job with the Telegraph, Talk Sport. You can see him on DAZN as well. He is over in the UK right now. Gareth, what's up, my man? I'm very good, Mannix, and it's always a pleasure to conjoin with you talking fight world. Always a pleasure, my friend. Definitely, definitely. So I, I want to get into the happenings in the UK. You got some news uh, that you wrote about this week on the AJ Fury fight. I also want to talk about Eddie Hearn 
and a potential new DAZN deal in the UK. But the breaking news this week, uh, Gareth, was that Floyd Mayweather, who has been retired for the last four years, is going to return in an exhibition match against Logan Paul. This is something we've heard about for months now. It was originally penciled in for February. It's going to happen now on June 6th. Um, I guess give me your reaction to Floyd coming back to do an exhibition against the YouTuber. Well, look, um, I can't call it anything other than three words. This is a smash and grab. Um, Look, Floyd Mayweather, one of the great professors, if I can call him that, in the ring, one of the great masters, one of the Michelangelos, the Goyas, the Velasquez, the Picassos, if you compare him to painters in boxing. He is an artist when it comes to his ring craft, the man on the canvas with his dancing feet and his brilliance. And you and I witnessed it over 20 years. We were at, I want to say, dozens of his fights, and we were. Um, uh, Logan Paul, I was at his fight with KSI in November, whatever it was, 2019, I think. Um, and it was an extraordinary fight. Logan Paul is 0-1. Floyd Mayweather is 50-0 over multiple world championship weight divisions. Over 20 years as a brilliant fighter. So this is nothing more than it's purely that. It's an exhibition with a capital E. Because I reckon you could get money. I reckon you could get odds on whether Paul will actually land a punch on Mayweather. Because in truth, if Mayweather wants to ensure that the YouTuber does not land a single punch in this bout, he has the skills to pay the bills to be able to do that as a bet. Um, it, it's When Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, Chris, I really enjoyed the promotion. I enjoyed the fact that these were the two best marketeers in two different sports. It brought two different firmaments together, and it was an extraordinary event. We were all there, and it was a ramrod uh, success, and I was glad to be a part of it. This, I won't be paying the pay-per-view, and I won't be staying up in the middle of the night UK time to watch it because it's frankly irrelevant and insignificant. Is that enough of an analysis for you? Yes. Um, My reaction, Gareth, is I don't care. I, I, I don't. I mean, Mayweather has been retired since 2017. He has really been retired since 2015. The McGregor fight was, uh, while a spectacle, not a fight that he was ever in danger of losing. Um, If Floyd Mayweather wants to come back, spar a little bit, make some money off these millions of Logan Paul fans that might believe their man has a shot, more power to him. This is not... Actual boxing. Floyd is not coming back, Gareth, to take on Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence. If this were, like, if this were Gennady Golovkin electing to face Logan Paul instead of Demetrius Andrade or Ryota Murata or any other title holder at 160, um, I would be upset about it. I would criticize mm. the fight. But Floyd's a retired guy. And if he thinks he can make some money off the name that he built for the last two decades, Go for it. It's not like we're missing out on any other Floyd Mayweather event that might be taking place. It is completely irrelevant when it comes to actual boxing. Completely agree. And like you say, um, it's a win-win for Floyd in some ways because he can garner himself 
to an audience of 25 million that YouTuber Logan Paul has, which brings him perhaps a marketing spiel, a marketing spin. But like you say, if it was Gennady Golovkin, Ryota Murata or uh, Demetrius Andrade uh, fighting Logan Paul, frankly, I'd be terrified um, because someone would be getting very, very hurt. Um, look, it's, it's, I think we have to accept uh, what it is. Years ago, uh, back in 1917, I think it was, um, a guy called Arthur Craven. Have I ever told you this story? The no. Dardaist. And, right, the nephew of Oscar Wilde in 1917 fancied himself. He was a showman. He was a Dardaist, a poet, an essayist. He fancied himself as a bit of a boxer. He turned up to the French Light Heavyweight Championship of the World, or the French Light Heavyweight Championship. And when he turned up, he was declared the champion because he was the only person to turn up for the tournament, right? So he's declared the French Light Heavyweight Champion. Jack Johnson is doing his tour of Europe at the time. They put an exhibition on in a new bullring in Spain. 6,000 people pay good money to see it. The equivalent of today. And what happens? Craven terrified sprints around the ring in circles away from Johnson every time he touches him he falls to the ground and curls up like an embryo until Johnson gets fed of this fed up of this and in the sixth or seventh round he just knocks the guy spark out there was a riot in the bull ring uh, from the fans the police had to be called and what I'm trying to say is 104 years ago the same kind of things were going on then so this is nothing new and as we saw the other day with uh, Logan's brother, Jake Paul, with Ben Askren, who couldn't punch a hole in a paper bag, but is a brilliant, brilliant wrestler from mixed martial arts. These are freak shows that I think either the boxing purist or the genuine boxing fan is not really that interested in. Is Floyd Mayweather um, lowering himself to the depths? No, not really. Because as you say, he's not really coming out of retirement here. He's just going to showcase what he's brilliant at against a guy who is frankly worse than a novice. Yeah. And if you are an active boxer and you are belly aching about the number of pay-per-view buys Mayweather Paul gets or the number of pay-per-view buys that Paul Askren got, um, look yourself in the mirror, man, make better fights. Do yeah. you know Floyd Mayweather's able to do this because he spent decades competing largely against the very best, especially in his days pre-De La Hoya when he was fighting Jose Luis Castillo twice, when he beat Diego Corrales in what I feel was the signature win of his career, all leading up to the win over Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, fight like that. you know, Have that kind of attitude, and then maybe decades from now, you can build on your brand. But right now, you don't have one. The only way to get one is to, to take these tough fights. All right, Gareth, let's move on to the big story in boxing that is developing the crumbling of the Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight right before our eyes. You reported on Thursday evening after speaking with Bob Arum that this fight, now I'll just paraphrase here and let you kind of talk about where we are, but this fight is in some serious trouble. So where are we with Fury and Joshua? Well, um, you know, uh, as you know, Bob Aram is Tyson Fury's USA promoter. Uh, Frank Warren is his UK promoter. And Bob uh, rang me this evening and claimed that the uh, what we're calling over here in the UK, the £200 million mega fight 
for the undisputed heavyweight title between Fury and Joshua is, I quote him, dead in the water for July or August, which counters claims from Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, uh, earlier in the day that the fight is a done deal. And, and I, I, quote, I quote Bob here, he said, it will take months for the Saudis to do their due diligence on such a huge deal. It is not just a site fee. There are ancillary demands from the Saudis stretching into the broadcast deals and other things. It could take months for it all to play out. And then he said, it could even take until 2022, the way it looks right now the fight in july or august is dead in the water as far as we are concerned so it sounds like bob has some new information in the last 24 hours or so about where it stands when it comes to saudi arabia do you think am i reading that correctly i think so it looks like they've gone over the small print in the contracts and that there's still you know a lot of due diligence for the Saudis um, from their side of the deal. I mean, it's not just a site fee. He was saying if it was just a site fee, it would be simple to get over the line. And I think they've obviously looked at that with the lawyers and he's realized it's, it's well, look, this deal in terms of getting this bit over the line um, in terms of site um, all that process, the heads of agreements deal, the final bit. Remember, started way back in December the 12th, I think, after Joshua um, uh, beat Kubrat Pulev. Eddie Hearn said on Monday morning, which was December the 14th, I think, we crack on and we get on with this and we get the deal done. And where are we? We're a day away from May the 1st. So it has taken an inordinate amount of time. Um, I know you'll raise things like, look how long... Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao took, it took like nearly five years, didn't it? Um, and so Aram's saying his view, um, the two fighters need to go and have other fights this summer while the negotiations for that fight in the Middle East conclude. I think, you know, according to him, we're looking at November or December for that fight now. So, you know, you spoke with him. Do you get the sense that this is posturing perhaps or do you think this is just the way it is when it comes to this fight because one of the questions I have when I hear Bob Arum or Frank Warren talk about Tyson's going to move on and take another fight is who and where and for what money because you and I both know Tyson Fury could have fought last December he was penciled in for a date in December, and then pulled out a couple of months before that. The reason he pulled out was because there was no money there. He could have fought, but there was no real money for him to face an opponent that isn't Deontay Wilder and isn't Anthony Joshua. And I get the sense, Gareth, in fact, I feel like I have a pretty firm grip on what Top Rank wants. Like, they don't want to be back in the Deontay Wilder business. That didn't do well for them. They didn't make money off Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. That underperformed. That needed to clear, I think, 1.1 million pay-per-view buys for everyone to just break even, and it didn't. It did around 800,000 buys. So I guess it, my question, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, we're moving on, but to where and what do you do? I mean, where, where do you think that Tyson Fury could move on to? 
Well, I think just to rewind a little bit, I think I suspect that, you know, Tyson Fury is on a massive deal with ESPN, wasn't he? Yeah, or is on a massive deal with ESPN. Perhaps they didn't want to put a, a huge amount of money into a fight that wasn't big enough in their view. Um, if he was fighting, let's say, Agit Kabayel. Um, so that would have come down to them as well. And maybe BT Sport in, in the UK not wanting to provide the whole of the sum uh, for the fight. Um, obviously, Fury was disappointed not to have that fight. I, mean, I think he's aired that himself. Um, who does he fight next? The logical fight is Deontay Wilder. Um, or... Um, is Bob suggesting um, that Tyson Fury takes a Tom Schwartz stroke Otto Wallin type fight or someone in the, I can't remember now, is he due to do a, a mandatory or voluntary of the WBC? Well, uh, who, who knows? Who knows that WBC yeah. belt? They... Yeah, exactly. Dillian White, he's ready to go. Yeah, maybe Dillian White. <laughs> exactly. Good old Dillian finally gets it. and That'll be amazing. Um but, you know, there is so much up in the air. I'm only hours, like a few hours, from talking to Bob Aram and writing this story. Who knows? This might be the moment that leverages this fight actually happening in Saudi. You never know with these things. But when if Bob had called you tonight, the nonagenarian Hall of Fame promoter Bob Aram, who's had everyone really in our lifetimes and beyond you know, from Muhammad Ali to Manny Pacquiao to, to the great, late great, now I can say, uh, Marvin Hagler and all these guys before them. Um, you know, maybe something will shift. Maybe it will create the seismic shift. But if he'd rung you and told you these things, you would have published, wouldn't you? You'd have gone with it. Um, because it's Bob telling you these things. And he's clearly deeply frustrated. I think... Um, as I've mentioned to you before, you know, perhaps because Eddie has dealt with the Saudis before, he was left to complete this bit of it. I mean, he's been, he, you know, he's, he's kind of come out and said, I'm like a one-man band getting this fight done. Um, I just don't understand why they all didn't go to Saudi and sit around a table and get it done together, iron it out together, rather than this contracts back and forth, forth that we've, we've heard about. Um, I think Anthony Joshua maybe fights Alexander Usyk, by the way, because the WBO is there, isn't it? You know, the mandatory. Um, who Tyson Fury fights at this point, I really don't know. Well, that, I mean, that to me is the most glaring question here because AJ could fight Usyk. Um, I mean, I don't know where he, like, he could do it anywhere, you know, and still make, and you can, you know the UK boxing scene better than I do, but when AJ fights against a guy like Usyk, he's going to make a lot of money, even without that live crowd. I don't get the sense that Fury's in that same position. Like he needs a Wilder in the U.S. or a AJ wherever to or, or, draw or, or the or kind of crowd, make or the kind White. of money. Dillian White would create noise as well. I, I think that would create noise. You know, I, I just like the Wilder stuff. To put a button on this, like it's a very easy fight to make contractually because you know what percentage of the pay-per-view both guys get theoretically 
you could go down to Texas and put that fight on. Texas is about to put 70,000 fans into Jerry World Cowboy Stadium for Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders. I'm sure Fury Joshua would do a big number at some outdoor venue there. So there's a live gate. But, you know, the my thing, my understanding of those contracts is just that because nobody made money on the first one and because nobody in terms of the promoters or, or networks did well on the first one and this one... I would imagine will be a harder sell. It, just the appetite for that fight just isn't there in the same way it was a year and a half ago. Well, I think the the, the, the problem is um, the appetite isn't there because what we've done for four and a half months is wait for the confirmation of an undisputed heavyweight title fight. You know, so it it, it does feel like a fall, doesn't it? It feels like um, you know, it's it, it just not going to be what it what we were all expecting and wanted. So I can't disagree with you. I don't have an argument against that. I can only agree with you. You know. Well, hopefully, uh, we hear something positive in the days to come. Adrenaline dump, my friend. Adrenaline dump. All right, guys. Let me ask you one more thing. Um, you know, last week Mike Coppinger over the Athletic broke the news that. Uh, Eddie Hearn would be leaving Sky Sports and taking his matchroom boxing stable over to DAZN uh, in the UK. This is potentially huge news as Sky has been the home to matchroom boxing for a number of years now. DAZN recently went global. They have been aggressive in pursuing uh, Eddie's stable over there. They already... Uh, televise his Matchroom Boxing USA shows. Uh, No one's confirmed this officially, but no one's denied it either. So we're just going to operate on the belief that this is happening. Uh, Talk to me about how big a deal this is for boxing in the UK. Well, it's enormous. And and my understanding is, um, quote, on the verge. Um, I got a comment from Hearn last week after Mike Coppinger's uh, leaked story um, that... You know, Eddie, Eddie said at the moment he won't comment on speculation. So we are only commenting on speculation. I, I want to clarify that. Um, and, and I think, look, um, I think a lot of people thought this was coming for a long time. Eddie has grown exponentially with Sky Sports over the last eight years and Sky Box Office. It has been an extraordinary relationship. But I think the relationship with DAZN, look, you and I both work for DAZN and we know their ambitions. They are bigger than ambitious they they are truly global and i think eddie's ambition and desire to be as he calls it the ufc of boxing even though uh, there's other mma organizations really growing at the moment and i work with them as well bellator they're really growing at the moment they're on showtime um they're on the bbc i player over here now i'm working with them um i think what his resonance in that sense in wanting to be a truly global outfit. You've seen the growth in the last three years with Eddie and DAZN. Uh, Matchroom Uzbekistan, Matchroom Italy, Matchroom Spain, Matchroom USA. Um, you can see the, the, the green shoots of growth and growth and growth everywhere. And I think um, DAZN is so well-placed to grow digitally now. It's the best option for Eddie Hearn, even though... As he said, that there's a, or not he said, but as, as the story has been told so far, there will be a caveat for the likes of Dillian White 
and Anthony Joshua still to negotiate with Sky to be on Sky box office in the UK. And you imagine that's because they can't command and they want a portion or a percentage of those big pay-per-view numbers that they may be capable of getting rather than signing an all-inclusive deal um, themselves with DAZN. It's enormous. And I tell you, I, I, I will sound biased here, but my soundings from people are they love the DAZN app. The Rubik's Cube comes up. It's so clean. The, 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 the broadcasts are great. I've got to say that, haven't I? <laughs> the, broadcasts are great. the broadcasts are great. It's so simple. You can be out for dinner watching it on your phone. It, it, it's, as you know, they are going to get better and better and wider and bigger and bigger. And they are the future. They are now. And it doesn't surprise me at all that Eddie Hearn, uh, if he does, will go with the zone. It's enormous, not just for British boxing. It's enormous for global boxing. Because as you know, America, Mexico, the UK, parts of Eastern Europe, that's the hotbed for boxing. Bit of Japan, maybe, but those are the hotbeds for boxing. Do you see this as a risk then? Because Sky Sports is a well-known property in the UK. DAZN just launched in the UK, what, you know, four or five months ago. No, I don't think it's a risk at all. Why, you know, what Eddie Hearn has spread himself very, very wide. He's got, he's managed to create a, a, a digital persona for himself as big as the likes of Dana White as Don King had, as Bob Arum has, as Frank Warren has there. He's very, for, for 10 years in the sport as a promoter, his rise has been exponentially brilliant. He's no, he's got no rival of his age. There's no one who can do what he can do as a promoter other than Dana White is 10 years older than him, you know, in the UFC and mixed martial arts. So in a sense, what Eddie really needs is the big rival to drive him on. But maybe he doesn't need that because the guy's a workaholic. He never stops. He has an indefatigable appetite uh, for what he's doing. So, and also, as we hear, it's a nine-figure sum. Think of the treasure trove that gives him, Chris, to be able to buy up fighters. He's just created a relationship with Saul Canelo Alvarez. He's, he's got, you know, Joe Parker, Derek Chisora, um, uh, Anthony Joshua, um, Alexander Usyk, he, um, he had, he, he's, he's brought um, uh, Pavetkin into his stable. He's very good at doing these semi-deals, part of the cake deals with so many important fighters in the world. And he's a really, really important figure in our sport at the moment. I don't think he's taking a risk at all. He's taking a risk with potentially the biggest provider of boxing in the world in the next few years. Will Sky Sports stay in boxing? I think they will. Look, the Sourlands, uh, Keller and Nisa of Sourland uh, Promotions, the Sourland Brothers Promotions, have just aligned with Wasserman to do Wasserman boxing. Wasserman are a major agent over here with some of the biggest soccer stars. I mean, uh, association football stars, of course, in the world. You know, they've got, they've got uh, endless offices around the world. They've got the potential to put on massive fight nights. Um, you know, that I think there are um, promoters um, who will love to get on the Sky Sports platform. I imagine that boxing will still be a part of their network. And who's to say that Eddie Hearn can't still, in some senses, have some kind of relationship with them, be it as a, 
as an alliance outside the zone because the guy I don't think anyone can control the zone. I, I, I can control Eddie Hearn. So, but I think you know his major stars, uh, apart from Dillian White and Anthony Joshua, will will be on the zone from probably July onwards. The Dillian White one was kind of weird, no? Like Anthony Joshua, I get, but Dillian White not part of this package. Big draw with the British crowd. Um, he's become yeah. rather like Derek Chisora, a cult figure over here. And I think there's a big outpouring from the British boxing community that the guy deserves his world title fight. He's a very hard negotiator. He's got a very sharp team who are always there on his case. Um, and I think, yeah, he is. He's a star over here. He may not be a star in America, um, although Eddie Hearn's intending to bring him there in the summer, isn't he? have a fight which we understand yeah. so it could be interesting i think dillian's the kind of figure that listen dillian white and deontay wilder wouldn't you love to see that oh yeah I, i'm not counting on it but i would oh i am i think it'll happen i think Ooh, it'll all happen right. I think all right it, i like oh yeah I think uh, by the by the way last not group. in the summer but i think it'll happen uh derek Chisora, you mentioned him is this winner go home for him um, look, Derek's a cult figure over here. Um, he was the bad boy of British boxing. He's become a bit of a cult hero. People love his walkouts, his antics. Um, he's got it down to a fine art now. He's very popular. Um, look, he's got, look, who else is there for him to fight after this? Yeah. Um, he, he's had his fight with Alexander Usyk. Um, this is a great moment for Joseph Parker, um, because if he can make a statement knockout against you know, the ebullient, aggressive um, Chisora. And I think Parker will be more aggressive in this fight under Andy Lee. And he will come forward more rather than sit back comfortably in the office for 36 minutes. Um, you know, uh, there'll always be fights there for Derek. But as he says, he's not after the championship or titles anymore. He's a money weight fighter. So <laughs> as long as there's money there for him, he'll fight at money weight. No question. Gareth, always good to talk to you, man. Hopefully we see you stateside for an event real soon or in the Middle East for a big event real soon. Absolute pleasure always to talk fight sports with you, Chris. When we come back, my conversation with Katie Taylor. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, Katie Taylor is back, undisputed, 135-pound champion. She is back in action on May 1st when she takes on Natasha Jonas. That's a fight you can see uh, in the U.S. on DAZN. Katie, been nine years since you and Natasha shared the ring that happened back in 2012, the London Olympics, a a great uh, event for you. Uh, You beat Natasha in the quarterfinals. Uh, Did you suspect back then that you two would meet down the line? Um, I didn't actually. I thought that was the, at the end of Natasha Jonas, but here we are. Um, obviously, the last time I fought her was in the, the London Olympics, like you said, in, in a packed arena. I think it was actually the, the loudest event in the Olympic Games. Um, so it's strange that the, the next time we fought, uh, it was going to be in an empty arena. Um, the sign of the times, I suppose. But um, yeah, we, we fought a, a few times as, uh, as amateurs, and here we are now as pros, getting ready for each other again. What, what do you remember about? that quarterfinals fight and the other fights you had with Natasha, the amateurs? Yeah, they're all very, very close fights. Um, it's obviously, the amateur boxing is obviously very, very different to the pro game. Um, it's only over a few rounds, but they were very, very close fights. Um, I think we're both very different um, as pros. Uh, you know, we've, we've obviously adapted to the pro game very well over the last few years, and we are definitely very, very different fighters uh, now than, than we were back then. But I do remember uh, every fight in the amateurs being very close. She's obviously got a very decorated am- amateur career herself. She's a very experienced opponent, and I'm looking forward to May the first. So Jonas, of course, is coming off that tough draw with Terry Harper. Why was this the right fight for you? Um, this is a fight that people have actually been talking about, especially in the UK over the last few years, and um, people are very, very excited about the fight. We, we obviously have that history in the amateur game as well. Um, you know, and and obviously in the London Olympics, it was seen as one of the one of the most exciting fights in in those Olympic Games, a very very uh, close fight, and so um, I guess uh, it's I'm 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 always ready and willing to step into the ring with anyone, as you know, Chris. So, mm. um, uh, I guess this is a fight that people were, were very very excited about. Is this a fight that you are excited about? Yeah, yeah, I, I love this fight. Um, Love the fact that uh, she's she's coming off her best performance. Um, I, I don't think Natasha had a great start to her pro career, but she's definitely uh, 
we've definitely seen the best of Natasha in our last in the last couple of fights, I would say. So um I'm expecting a tough, tough battle on on, on May the first. How would you describe your relationship with her? I wouldn't say I have any relationship with her. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we obviously, uh, I have obviously have a lot of respect for her, um, in the amateur game and and, uh, and as a pro. But I, I wouldn't uh, be speaking to her outside of uh, the times I've bumped into her in, in, in a hotel or whatever, um, and mm. in, in, in fight weeks or, or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I, I can't say that I have any relationship with Natasha. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to turn. 35 this summer and you're still very much don't, in the don't prime. Be, don't be giving out my age. <laughs> I, I, I can only say that because I'm older. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, you know, that's, 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 yeah. When you get to 40, that's when you start yeah, getting yeah. a little nervous about your age. This but I mean, you're, you're obviously still very much in the prime of your career. But do you start thinking about what it is you want to accomplish before your career is over? Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm well aware that I, you can't do this uh, forever. It's a short, short career, um, and especially as a professional fighter, when you're getting, you need to be so sharp all the time. You're getting rounds and rounds of sparring every week, so I did, definitely as a short career. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, I, I want to obviously finish undefeated. I want to uh, be a multiple time, a multiple weight undisputed champion. I would love to just make history in the sport and leave a great legacy and. And um, just inspire the next generation of female fighters, really. You know, you, you kind of brought up a couple of things I wanted to touch on. One is being undisputed in another weight class. There seems to be a, a almost a perfect opportunity for you now with Jessica McCaskill sitting out there with all four of the welterweight belts. Let me ask you, did you watch the rematch between McCaskill and Brakus? And what did you think? Uh, I didn't watch the whole fight. I was just, I just obviously watched the clips of, of the fight and, but yeah, I mean, uh, Cecilia is obviously technically uh, very, very good, but um, Jess McCastle just has the grit needed to actually win that fight. And um, she, she's obviously got a lot of heart, Jessica, as well. And she just made a rough for, for Cecilia. And uh, Cecilia just couldn't handle the, the roughness and, 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 and the grit that, that Jessica actually showed in the fight. Um, but two great wins for Jessica over Cecilia. She's obviously going to the, the, probably both of those fights as, as an underdog, even though she won the first fight. Maybe she's, she's a lot of people are still back on Cecilia to, to win the rematch. So two fantastic wins. And uh, here she is now as the undisputed welterweight champion. She's done incredibly well. Did it surprise you having faced Jessica a few years back and what you know of Cecilia that she was able to win both those fights? Um, I th I don't think I was ever. I was really surprised. Um, you know, I I think uh, if I was ever to fight Cecilia, I would have made a rough myself against her. So, um, I, I don't think it would have. Uh, I don't think I was. I was really really surprised by that. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, Jessica did, did very very well, and uh, uh, she she definitely fought the right fight against her. Did you see any? I mean, the, the clips you watched and what you saw from the both those fights. Did you see anything different in Jessica than the woman you fought a few years ago? Um, I can't say that I see anything different. Really, um, she obviously had uh, swing shots. She's obviously obviously awkward as well, and and uh, she's she's a she's a boxer who, who's actually hard to look good against. I think. Um, so I don't think I've seen anything new against her. She's just her her old self, really. And if the fight ever did happen with Jessica again, I, I very much welcome that fight and. I very much look forward to, to, to fighting her again. You know, you mentioned, you know, what you're, you're kind of leaving behind for women's boxing. When, when it comes to your legacy, I mean, you are, in a way, a pioneer, you know, mm -hmm. among the first women to really take boxing 
into the mainstream. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I would love to, to bring women's boxing to a place where it's actually on, on level par with the men. I think we're, we're getting there slowly but surely. And I think what the women have done in the UFC, for example, have, has been absolutely fantastic. And um, I think we, we, we made great waves over the last few years. Um, every female fighter uh, over the last few years have, have done incredibly well. We're, we're getting on... Um, on uh, these main boxing shows where, where people are seeing uh, women's boxing for the first time in their lives and um, I think we, we've definitely seen the best of women's boxing over these last few years and, and may that continue. So in that you bring up UFC and you're right UFC has had you know women headlining big pay-per-view shows they've, they've done it really well in that sense what what does women's boxing have to do Katie to get to that level? I think uh, we just have to keep fighting the best and uh, the best has to fight the best in the absolute prime. And um, I think we have to be involved in fights that people are genuinely interested in. And the likes of the, say, Serrano fight, that, has, that fight must happen. Uh, Jessica McCaskill, maybe like at a catchway, that has to happen as well. Um, the fights that people are genuinely interested in, I think that, that they, they have to be made uh, very, very soon. And, and as I said, those fights have to happen when both fighters are actually in their prime. And um, it would be a pity if we enter our whole career where those big fights didn't actually happen. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Amanda Serrano fight. Amanda had a good win a couple of weeks back at 126. Um, I mean, do you see that fight in your future? I know, I mean, you know a lot more about what went on behind the scenes there. I mean, there was some bad blood certainly between both sides. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I was obviously scheduled to fight Amanda a couple of times um, and I was preparing for that fight. Um, I'm not too sure why that fight didn't happen, but... Um, I was genuinely just preparing for that fight and then uh, it obviously didn't materialize for whatever reason. Um, so I, do, I really don't know what happened behind the scenes there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a fight that people have been very, very excited about. And Amanda's obviously a fantastic fighter as well. Uh, she's like a seven-weight world champion or something. And it's it's incredible. So I would absolutely love that fight. You know, it, it's, it, is, it seems like the kind of fight that would interest a lot of people. And I'm wondering, does it interest you even more because of, you know, be, there's undoubtedly going to be a lot of trash talk in the build-up to a fight like that. Maybe way more than any fight that you've had up until this point, whether it's from Amanda or more likely from Jordan, her trainer yeah. and brother-in-law. And, you know, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who had, and I think we've talked about this, had one of the most bizarre reactions yeah. to you beating Cindy, basically saying you fought the wrong Serrano. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's <laughs> very strange. But does that get your kind of competitive, competitive juices flowing? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not one for trash talking, and uh, I'm just, I'm just here to fight. I just want to fight the best, and um, I have no problem um, uh, being the quiet person before fights, and I let the other, the other team do the trash talking. It doesn't do anything to me, and um, it wouldn't change my my outlook on the fight, my my perspective going into the fight. Um, I don't think anyone really remembers what's what, what was said before fights. People just remember the results, so I'm just focused on the actual uh, result going into a fight, and. Um, just focus on my own performance. So I'll let them do the trash talk and I'll just be the quiet person as usual and just, just get out <laughs> <on> my job. <laughs> so May 1st, you return against Natasha Jonas. It will once again, as you pointed out, be uh, without that uh, live crowd. Uh, I mean, having done it a few times, I mean, uh, how big a difference does it make, you know, fighting in front of a real audience that's that gives you some kind of energy versus what you've had to do in your last couple of fights, which is fight in front of basically nobody? Yeah. It definitely, um, we definitely miss the atmosphere, and and uh, I think once you're in the in there at boxing, mind you, you don't really take much notice of what's uh, 
what's going on but it definitely makes a difference for example in the ring walk it's very very quiet you're walking to the ring in silence it's very very strange but um yeah i think every single fighter in the world right now just can't wait for crowds to be back and I see crowds in, in, in a few of the fights, like in Texas, they have their own rules there. It's fantastic. I love to fight in Texas <laughs> with 10,000 people at an arena um, um, at, at the Canelo fight. So, I mean, get me to Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what every boxer is saying. Texas and Florida. Yeah, yeah. Texas yeah, and Florida yeah, yeah. Where, where you can just open exactly. up. But do you, does it affect you? Like, I mean, do you have to kind of prepare yourself mentally to go into the ring knowing it's going to be kind of an eerie atmosphere? Um, I wouldn't say I, I have to premise that mentally. It's it's, uh, it's all the same for me, really. Um, it's it definitely feels like more of a spar, probably. Um, mm. you know, but once honestly, once you're in there, you're you're just so focused on on what you have to do. And uh, usually, if there's ten thousand people in the arena, anyway, you you only zone in on your, on your coach's voice. Um, and there, it's only a certain few voices that you actually um, recognize when you're actually in there, there mm. fighting. So, um, it doesn't really make too much of a difference when you're actually in there. Do you, you know, mention your coach's voice on TV and on the broadcast. I can hear the coaches from the corner. Yeah. Do you hear Ross? Do you hear Ross more now than you did when it was a live crowd? Um, I don't think I even hear him. Uh, I, I, I hear him in every single fight. He's very, very loud in the corner. And uh, <laughs> especially when I'm not doing what I'm told to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he's, uh, it, it is great to hear him very, very clearly when, when the, when there is no crowd there. And, mm. um, yeah, I'm just blessed with a great team. Really, he's a he's a genius coach, and uh, you know the the work that he, that he puts in uh, from day to day is incredible. So I'm so grateful for the team I have I have around. Before I let you go, uh, you mentioned atmospheres, and and one atmosphere I'm sure would be great at some point would be you back in Ireland. You're one of the great Irish fighters uh, of all time. I haven't done it yet as a pro. I mean, how important is it to you? to fight in Ireland. I know there are a lot of reasons why uh, a fight over there hasn't taken place yet, but how important, if at all, is it to you to have a pro fight over there? Yeah, I, I'd absolutely love that. That would be a dream for me. I think it would be such a pity if I ended my pro career and I didn't actually fight in Ireland. Um, uh, I, I think uh, if I ever did fight in Ireland, it would be a packed stadium and um, mm. it would be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the atmosphere would be amazing and the support I've had from from everyone at home has been absolutely incredible over the years even during the low points when i've actually lost fights as an amateur uh, even then the support has been incredible so um i would love to honor my uh, my country people with a great fight at home and uh, a fight that people could could really uh, get behind me and support me does eddie hearn feel the same way do you feel like you're on the same page with him about getting a fight over in ireland yeah i think the, the reason he saw me at the start was that we were thinking of these big <laughs> home fights but it obviously hasn't happened yet um, he would absolutely love that as well, and uh, we are definitely working behind the scenes for that to happen someday. But it just hasn't uh, hasn't happened yet. But I am confident that will happen by the time I end my career. Yeah, I, I hope it happens too. As someone that is, according to the internet, I'm 99.5 percent Irish. I will right. happily, I will happily go over to Bray or Dublin, yeah. wherever, wherever it is. Yeah, Google. I would. Uh, I would hey, that's 23 and me. Whatever the ancestry, whatever the one of those things is, they told me I was that's great. almost all the way Irish. Uh, Katie, good luck on May 1st. Looking forward to Thank seeing you, so you back much. in action and hopefully uh, big unification fights, big undisputed championship fights, uh, more for you before the end of the year. Thanks yeah. for joining yeah, me. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. I really appreciate it. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 